This podcast is made possible by NoCD. NoCD offers effective, affordable, and convenient OCD therapy. NoCD therapists are trained in exposure and response prevention, otherwise known as ERP therapy, which is the gold standard treatment for OCD. With NoCD, you can do virtual, live, face-to-face video sessions with one of their licensed, specialty-trained therapists, and they accept most major insurance plans. To find out more about NoCD, visit NoCD.com to book a free 15-minute call. We're hot. We're fun. We're crying. But we're trying. We've got looks. We've got books. Also, we're sad. Sad Sad girls girls who read. read. Hello, sad girls. Hi, sad girls. Welcome to the party. So they don't call us sad girls for nothing. We've been roadkill on the side of the road, me and Aaron. We've been mentally ill. You know. With a capital M. I've had better weeks. Last week was actually so, last week was hard for a a lot of reasons. A, you know, like the state of the world right now and what is happening is just so, so, so devastating. And I'm so sorry, Aaron, for everything that you were going through and having to deal with. And so like life is heavy in that regard, but I had a personal thing happen last week that just like really derailed me. I mean, it sent me into a trauma spiral And you know how it is when your trauma is triggered and you just feel like I'm never going to get out of this and I'm never going to like be okay and see the light again, but I actually feel a lot more okay today. Good. My friend said to me, like, you have to, you have to track these trauma responses because it usually follows like the same path. And every single time it feels like it's new, but it's like Mm -hmm. the same thing that's happened. Like you go from like feeling trauma, at least I do like Mm -hmm. traumatized, feeling abandoned, And then wondering what it means about you and then mentally reviewing the past. And like, do I just fuck up every single relationship I've had? Like it becomes about you. And it's like this this thing that happens like clockwork for people who are traumatized. Can you like tell the sad girls a little bit about what's going on? I feel like I should, but I just don't feel like talking about it. That's okay. Is that fine? Yeah, that's totally fine. But basically your trauma was triggered by somebody. By a person who like took no accountability and that I think that's like what's so hard when you're traumatized as well. And you know, I literally have a nail missing, by the way, I'm going to be talking this whole time with like the one nail gone <laughs> with your trauma. Do you ever feel like your own reality was gaslit? Your own reality was denied all the time. Yeah. Right. That's the thing that a lot of trauma survivors feel. So the lack of accountability by this person also was like, not only was it like abandonment, rejection, et cetera, but the lack of accountability made me doubt my own reality as well. Mm. But I really had to just like stay true in what I know. And, you know, I had so many friends who were able to like validate everything for me. And I feel better today, which I'm like so happy about because that feeling is like the heaviest knot in your stomach, like couldn't sleep, heart was racing. Mm -hmm. It's just not good. And especially with someone who you're supposed to be feel safe with like you actually pay them to create a safe space and then they trigger you it's kind of it's like the last person that you would expect to trigger you in that way and to do that and then to like handle things with zero accountability zero empathy zero like it just it is truly shocking yeah if y'all only knew there's some crazy people (laughs) out there walking this but way. I'm like but how are you it's like when you like dump all your trauma on someone and then you're like but how are you doing <laughs> but how are you are you actually asking me 
Yes, I'm asking you. I don't I don't care about anything. I'm like so What's going on, girly. I'm just pop? like over it all. And I, I feel like I say that a lot, but especially now, I feel like this with the state of the world is horrifying. I don't want to speak much about it because I'm like so overwhelmed with it that I might lose my shit. Um so I'm going to hold on to that piece and go to something less big, but also heavy just with uh, the WGA reached a negotiation. So everyone was like, oh, my God, yay. Um, they got their contract. They got amazing things. So then they were like SAG should be shortly after they should shortly reach theirs, maybe like the next day, the next week. And then they were in negotiations. And apparently we got an email from SAG being like, they've stopped they like the ampt amptp am yeah it's yeah the whatever they like stopped bringing things to the table like they didn't even give a counter deal so it's just like in it's on hold again so we don't know when we're gonna work and like we literally thought for like a week we were celebrating we're like oh my god back to work it's gonna be so great like we'll be back in a month like We'll be doing, we'll be auditioning in a week and now it's completely on hold again. And we're just like, it feels really daunting and kind of like never ending and scary. And I realized how soul sucking it is for me to not be creating in that way because I, I've had commercial auditions, which are great, but a lot of commercial auditions lack like a lot of depth, not a lot, but some of them. I had a commercial audition for like a short film today and it was like so fun to do that and be creating something it's just it's just a shit show yeah I I can imagine like being out of work and for you work is not just work it's the thing that is so meaningful for you it has to be like feel like such a void it is I feel dead inside how are you coping good question Allegra you're like I'm coloring (laughs) no but dead ass I was doing that before I got on here. I have started coloring. Something is wrong with me, but I feel like a part of it is healing like my inner child. Like I always like to color. And while you're coloring, you can't really be on your phone. You can't really do much, but like focus on what you are doing. And it is so soothing. I highly recommend. I got a pack of markers. Sponsor me from Amazon. And they were like, there's 84 markers and it was only $20. That's amazing. Right? So coloring's my coping. How are you coping? I've leaned on friends so much. And I've been Mm -hmm. so grateful to have the friends that I do. I literally called people. Like if you looked at my call log, it's like, call, 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 call. Mm -hmm. You just have to be talking to someone. And you just someone to like validate your reality and like Mm -hmm. listen. That was me for like four days. And then I've I've also been off of social media because it's, you know, again, the state of the world is so sad and there's a lot of like trauma that we're all witnessing, but also I like get to protect my peace as well. And I think with everything that happened last week, I was like, I just like in my personal life, I was like, I just need to be off of social media. I need to protect my peace. I need to do what's best for me. And so I took a break for almost a week and it felt really nice. You never take breaks. I I'm never like, take breaks. And I feel like you're much more like grounded and like happy. And I feel like that's a lot to do with you staying off social for it's a second. a huge piece of it. It's yeah. 
I went to upstate New York yesterday and it's just so much slower up there. And I'm like now Mm -hmm. grappling with like, do I just need a slower life at this point? You know, like is life in New York and is my life right now, like just too hectic for me to like have that sense of groundedness. I do think for you, I'm not a therapist, but I do feel like making it a point to recharge and like go somewhere like upstate, like once a month at least can be so healing. And also for you to take social media breaks, because I used to be the same way. And then I like had a point where I kind of snapped and now it'll never be the same. But like you do you feel responsible like you have to post every day or you're gonna like and then you're rewarded for it I think that's what's so hard is like so Mm. many wonderful opportunities I'm helping so many people it's not like I'm just doing this thing and not getting rewarded Mm. you know like it is such a big pillar of my brand that it Mm. feels like if I'm not doing it then like I'm not doing what I should for my brand and my career but I feel like you create such good, meaningful content that you could do what you're doing, but do it once or twice a week. And you're helping like your posts are so thorough. You don't need to be posting every day. I don't know how you come up with that much content. It's crazy. Yeah. And it's so time consuming. I think to just like put the phone away and say, I can wake up on a Saturday morning and just read my damn book and not have to post a single thing mm-hmm. was so freeing. Like I really do feel like tied to my phone. I feel tied to social media in a way that is so not healthy. Well, we need to change that. We need God. We need God. Where is any higher power? Take me. You're like, sweetie, I've done enough on this earth. I have done my freaking piece. Okay, well, we're getting through. Sad girls be saddened, but you know what? They be Aladdin. They be Aladdin. They be fattened. They be gladdened. I feel like you're giving all of the like Gen Z lingo that I love hearing in my office. Oh my God. I love Gen Z. When my client looked at me the other day and said, you just ate. I was like, I, I, I'm honored. I'm honored. You said eight to me and I felt like, oh my God, so blessed. Right. It's like, I was like, oh my God, this is like the highest compliment I could receive. That's so funny because I say a lot of shit and my therapist says to me like, oh my God, this millennial talk. I'd be like, that's sick. Or like, that's something. And she's like, she'll try to say it back to me. I'm like, no, Elizabeth, like you can't say that. Maybe you can't. Like we love you, but it's just not for you. That's like me saying no cap. Uh, No, if I said that to a client, they'd be like, Allegra, I'm going to fire you. You'd be like, goodbye. Right now. No cap. No cap. No cap. What else do they say? There were, there were a couple of great things last week. It was definitely you ate a lot of like true, 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 and like facts, facts. facts. And yeah. then there was something. It was like, it was like iconic if true. It was something like that where they kept going like iconic if true, iconic if true. <laughs> it's like, I mean, what? Yeah. But yeah, like so many, I hear it from so many of my clients where I just like, I live for it. Isn't there like a Riz or something? Oh, someone that, okay. So there's Riz, didn't know what that is. And then old, no, so old. So I was doing a presentation because the IOCDF's like online conferences this weekend and we had to redo it because of like some technical thing that happened. And the person, he goes to Yale, he's like 21 years old. And he said, okay, well, I guess we'll just run it back. And I thought he meant run it back. Like, we're just going to look at it to make sure that we don't have to do it again. And I was like, Kyle, I don't need to run it back to know that da 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 And he was like, Allegra, run it back means like, do it again. 
Oh, and I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, I knew that. I knew I, that. I was just with you. <laughs> oh my god. We're and then he said old. Riz, and I was like, I'm sorry, I don't know it. And everyone was like, You don't know what Riz means? You don't freaking know. I don't know what it means. Does it mean like cool? You have charisma. See, you got Riz, Allegra. We're we're like the Bean Girls mom trying to like literally interact. Also, don't they say like mother a lot and yes i've been trying to put mother in my vocab like like who is mother for us like claire bidwell smith is mother bronwyn is mother i would say both of our therapists are mother yes well bronwyn isn't my therapist she's just my friend who is a therapist but like Lori is mother oh Lori is like mother Lori is like there's no other mother like Lori is mother it's Mom. so funny too. You're going to die. So I did a therapy session with her when I was in Puerto Rico and my friend Nikki walked in and said, hi. And Nikki was like, afterwards, she was like, that is someone's mother. <laughs> literally. Like, oh, literally. She was literally. like the top, the glasses, like that is someone's mother. I love like, like <laughs> a maternal feel. Lori is cute. mother. There's no, but I also, yeah, I feel like Bronwyn's mother. I'm trying to think of who else. Claire's mother. Claire's, Claire's mother. mother. Bonnie's mother. Bonnie is big mom. mom. She her show's coming out. I know. I, I know. like very soon. I, I think it might be out already. My friends oh, really. Watching it. Oh well, we need to watch Big Mama. She's big mom. Big mother. Anyway, this week we are going to answer some questions that y'all asked us on the Instagram. The Instagram. The... I'm eight hundred years old. I'm excited. This is a special episode for OCD Awareness Week brought to you by two OCD icons. We, this is not therapy. We are not your therapist. We are not doctors. So all of this is just, you know, educational, informational. What's OCD, Allegra? What is OCD? Yeah. Obsessive compulsive disorder. Uh It is a mental health condition characterized by obsessions and compulsions that are distressing, impairing to a person's functioning. And it is not an adjective, meaning it is a noun. It is not something that describes being cute or quirky or organized. That is not what OCD is. Iconic. Iconic. Wait, remember when I sent you the wig and underneath it said organic. Organic. (laughs) I love. Organic. (laughs) You add it to everything and it's. I know. Panic attack. (laughs) Panic attack. Our first question. They asked, when did your OCD develop and what themes did you first have? Answer it, girly. You go first. I'll go next. Okay. This is hard because I didn't like, I wasn't like diagnosed until recently, but I've had it since I was a child. And my, when I was a child, my themes were just right things and um, like morals. What's it called? Scrupulosity. Yeah. That um, I was scared. God was going to be mad at me all the time. Yeah, those were my first two. Now they've transitioned into like health, OCD, relationship, OCD. Those are my main ones right now still. I don't really have the just right as much anymore, but sometimes it'll creep back. I'm like, what are you doing? Like you're old news. Get out of here. I love that. I love that for you. Well, it's interesting you say that because I had just right symptoms as a kid too, Mm. but I didn't know it. Like it's going to sound odd, but maybe not for people who have OCD, but like my, I wouldn't, I did not have full-blown OCD as a kid. I definitely had symptoms and they revolved around soccer. Like I once mm. spent over an hour in a soccer store trying on jerseys 
And I literally had to like jump and make sure that the jersey felt right. And it was just me in this store, like jumping for a whole hour because it had to feel right for me to be able to like leave the store. And then it didn't feel right on game day. And there was a lot of like magical thinking of if I wear my hair like this, I'm going to play poorly, but it wasn't full blown OCD. And then in middle school, randomly for like two weeks, I started having intrusive images of my math teacher, Miss Chen, like naked and no offense, but she was not my type. Okay. It was so terrorizing. You know, that like dread you feel when you have that, like that onset of that. Yeah. Had it for like two weeks. It's like, what the fuck is this? But it passed. And then 18 was when in like a split second, I had full blown OCD, like severe Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. POCD. So like sexual obsessions really about kids, family members, animals, friends, the doorknob. I mean, it could literally be about anything, Mm. which is also like, I don't want to say hilarious, but I was such like a non-sexual person. Like I was still a virgin. Like, it's just (laughs) wild to me what the brain. Yeah. So that's my life. That's wild. I'm in recovery. I mean, I have lapses for sure, but like right now I'm in such a good space with my OCD. And I think it's so important that people know that we can get there. It doesn't mean that I'll be there forever, but genuinely like my life is night and day to what it was nine years ago. What's confusing for me is I felt like I was like on a journey to recovery. And then like all of a sudden one thing triggered me and I feel like back to the step one, what would you tell me? I would say you are definitely not back to square one because you can't unknow everything that you've already learned. So that's what I say to my clients. And that's what I say to myself. It feels like square one. That's for sure. Sometimes I'll have lapses and I'm like, am I even like, okay, because I treat this every single day and I am having trouble seeing this clearly for myself. You can't unknow everything. And I would also wonder like, what is keeping you stuck in that particular trigger? Like, I think that there's like work to do there as well. You know, like that trigger was a really big trigger for you. Let's look at why and let's look at, and that's where I think like, maybe even beyond like ERP, a little bit of that, like, how did we come to this could probably be helpful for you. Yeah, I think that's what I'm realizing is that ERP only kind of goes it so It only far. does so much. And don't get me wrong. I love, like for people listening, ERP is, yeah. you know, the most evidence-based treatment for OCD. And there are other evidence-based treatments. And what helped me was not ERP. What helped me the most in my treatment was cognitive and mindfulness work. What helps me the most now is cognitive work. Exposure helped to to a certain extent. I think that there is more work to do than ERP. And I wonder if you're feeling that. Mm. Yeah, I think so. And I think what gets me stuck is I feel like I'm never doing it right. Like I say that a lot in therapy. I'm like, am I doing this right? Like, am I doing any of this right? And ERP isn't like the thing that works the most for me. And that scares me because I'm like, oh, I thought that's supposed to be the golden standard. I thought it's supposed to work for everyone. Why is it not working for me? Something's wrong with me. Oh, I hate that. I hate that. Like what I've really come to learn recently, especially is like there are other options for treatment is you cannot fail a treatment. You just can't. Sometimes treatments just don't work for people, you Mm -hmm. know, like ERP alone would not have been the thing that helped my OCD. I have some friends and clinicians, ERP was the thing that got them to recovery, but we're all so complex. You can't fail treatment. And I think that that is 
what gets tough when we talk about like the gold standard, because then Mm -hmm. if I don't like, if I don't recover from this, then there must be something wrong. I'm fucked. I'm doomed. Everything is hopeless. And that's not the case. Like there are so many other options. Thanks, Allegra. That's very nice. That's so uh, comforting to hear. Also, this is really important. And I have to pause the episode. Where are your earrings from? Oh my gosh, Amazon. I'm an Amazon girly. Please send me the link now. Literally, my best earrings are from Amazon. I'm obsessed. They were like probably like $10. Okay, send please after this. I only buy cheap jewelry. I will say I lost my diamond ring in Puerto Rico and I fully left the Airbnb like the diamond ring was gone. And I was like, I, I found, I think I found God. I can't ever have a diamond ring again, but I found it in my makeup bag. So I only usually wear cheap jewelry for this reason. Yeah, same. Can't be trusted. Can't be trusted. I don't even trust myself with my engagement ring. Like, and it's like, it's like an opal, but I'm like, I'm scared it's going to fall off all the time. Yes, I would be the same way. Okay, sorry. Back to. Do you have any questions question. about that? Because I think that's really helpful for people listening, people who might not have like responded as well to a particular kind of treatment. I just like don't really know a good next step because I feel like I read a really good book called Relationship OCD by Shiva. And I love that. And after I read it, I felt so much better. I felt this like sense of relief. She talks a lot about CBT, a lot about like acceptance therapy, a lot about ERP, about all of them. And I remember feeling so good. But then like two weeks after I read it, I was kind of back in my spiral. It's like I get temporary relief and then I end up coming back to this. And how do you just like once and for all break out of the thought patterns? Understanding like why you're still bought into the thought patterns is really helpful. And sometimes that's work that like ERP sometimes can be a downstream approach, which can be really helpful. Like we're going to allow this thought to exist. We're not going to pay attention to it. We're going to practice response prevention. That's awesome. But sometimes people do need to know, like, why am I still buying into this? And that's where that cognitive therapy can be helpful. And then also you have trauma and I, I'm like, trauma absolutely plays a role in your OCD. It played a role in mine. So Mm -hmm. figuring out how trauma is like exacerbating the OCD and vice versa I think is also probably really helpful for you, like weeding out what is what. It's just frustrating for someone who does have trauma intertwined in it that I know the trauma. I know exactly how the trauma caused the OCD. I I can write it all down. I can write an essay about it. Yet when I'm inside of it, it still feels just as big and scary. And it's so hard to get out of. It is so hard to get out of for sure. And I think what you can work. I'm like literally providing therapy. I love this. I'm like, what, what my clients, my dear, what you can work on is like what gets you in there in the first place. Sometimes like mm-hmm. sometimes it's just natural triggers and like my brain kind of snaps and I'm like, we're fucked for a little while. I needed to like quiet down, but looking at like, how did I go from being rooted in the reality that I know right now into this obsession that I'm like now living in. And it mm-hmm. does feel super real especially when you're living in that feared narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like- I, I'm a proponent of like different things working. I'm not, and I never will be strictly an ERP therapist. I think that there are so many other wonderful adjunctive tools and modalities that can be used with OCD. What would you tell me to use? So with all of my clients, I do psychoeducation. I do some cognitive therapy. I do mindfulness work. 
I would be curious for you to try or to look into inference-based cognitive behavioral therapy. It's like, it's very cognitive and it really looks at like how we reason our way into obsessions. So it's not like challenging the thought to get out of it. It's looking at like how we came to this. What if I'm a pedophile, let's say in the first place. And then it also looks at like, there's something called the feared possible self. And it looks at why certain people have certain themes that stick. And a lot of it tends to come back to this like feared self that we have. I think mm-hmm. mine is probably something like I am bad or I am like a monster. I would say like one of those things. And like, it kind of makes sense that like sexual obsessions is really like the only thing that's stuck for me. Mine is definitely probably like, I'm going to be completely alone. I'm going to be like abandoned along those lines. And you, maybe it's like, also you are someone who can be abandoned. Yeah. Like I, I just, des- like I deserve yeah. Right. I am someone who, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I would recommend looking into ICBT. Where, who d- does that? I'll send you a website. So some, even for people listening, it's an evidence-based treatment for OCD. ERP is more evidence-based, but ICBT is evidence-based and it's been around for a while in other countries. It's kind of just making its like leap into the U.S. right now. But if you go to icbt.online, you can find a directory of clinicians and I'll think of some who I might know in New York City who might be able to help. I think what you're saying, Erin, also brings up a really important question of, A lot of the times with OCD, people will say like, well, I just never get to know because I have OCD. Like I never get to know my sexual orientation. I never get to know whether or not I'm a pedophile. And I don't actually believe that that is true. You know, like I think that there is a way to go through treatment and to really recognize OCD for what it is and to separate that from yourself. And we often say OCD is egodystonic. It's opposite to our values, opposite to our self-concept. But then on the same kind of coin, we say, but we just never get to know, tolerate uncertainty. Like that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So yes, having OCD does not mean that you don't get to know things about yourself. I just feel so confused. There's there's probably so much to unpack with you, but like feelings naturally do ebb and flow. But I think that you will probably get a better sense as you dig into the obsessions of like when you're in OCD territory versus when you're not. This podcast is made possible by NoCD. NoCD offers effective, affordable, and convenient OCD therapy. NoCD therapists are trained in exposure and response prevention, otherwise known as ERP therapy, which is the gold standard treatment for OCD. With NoCD, you can do virtual, live, face-to-face video sessions with one of their licensed, specialty-trained therapists, and they accept most major insurance plans. To find out more about NoCD, visit NoCD.com to book a free 15-minute call. The next question Ooh, is... I love this. This is kind of like follows what we were talking about. Is EMDR therapy a good idea for someone with PTSD and also OCD? EMDR therapy is not going to be helpful for your OCD symptoms. So I want to make that clear. Like EMDR is not an evidence-based treatment for OCD. Clinicians sometimes will say like, I treat OCD with EMDR. That is probably not going to be helpful. But EMDR can be really helpful with trauma, PTSD, and treating the trauma that can arise from living with OCD. 
Mm -hmm. I'm looking for an EMDR therapist right now to process a like trauma that I've experienced, but also the trauma that comes from my own experiences with OCD. Mm -hmm. I I've done EMDR a few times. I love it. Like it's, I felt like I was doing it wrong. Of course, sounds on key with how I feel like I'm doing all therapy wrong, but I loved it. I felt so emotional after and the next day I felt like a truck hit me. And then the next day I felt like a lot better. It's the best. Allegra, advice on how to manage dreams that contain OCD themes. I could have, this is like my soapbox. I could write a whole novel. just. So this used to be a big thing for me. And I'm curious if it is for you too. I used to not be able to sleep because I was so afraid that my OCD would appear in my dreams. Like I would have like a sex dream or something. Mm -hmm. So I would be up panicking, like heart racing, full panic attacks. Like during the night, I couldn't sleep for years. Like getting five minutes of like, I remember I fell into REM sleep for five minutes and I woke up and it was like, I had won the lottery. Like that's how bad it was for me. And I used to think like, A, I didn't think that it's showing up in my dreams per se meant something, but it was also just like, that's the last thing I want to dream about. It's traumatizing. Mm -hmm. And I did have like OCD show up in a couple of different dreams. And like what I learned about in my own treatment and what I tell my clients now is that like dreams are often an extension of what we were thinking about during the day. Like think Mm -hmm. about watching like a slasher movie before bed. You're mm-hmm. probably going to dream about blood and gore. There if you go. All damn day about your relationship or sex with X, Y, and Z. Like that might show up in your dreams, but we can treat that like any other unwanted thought we have. It is not like evidence that your OCD is now true. And mm. that's the fear for people is like, what if it's my subconscious, my psyche telling me something like mm. it doesn't have to be, we have a lot of dreams that make no fucking sense. Yeah. Yeah, you can't take that. People are like, well, this is a sign. If I dreamt this, like, no, it's a dream. And no one can fully explain where dreams come from or what they are exactly. So we shouldn't take them so seriously. Amen, Henny. Amen, Henty. Ooh, Erin, I want to know your answer to this. And if you've ever worried about this. Go ahead. How, how do you deal with drinking and OCD thoughts? Someone says, I feel like mm-hmm. I blurt them out if drunk. Did you ever struggle with that? Not that particularly, but I would be scared like in a like if I would go under, like if I had anesthesia that I would like blurt something out like that, like was my biggest fear. And I guess it still is a fear. Do you have that? Oh, my God. Yeah. Like I did not want to get my wisdom teeth out. It's like, what if I just go under anesthesia and then like shout out all of my intrusive thoughts and I'm arrested? Yeah. Same thing with, no, literally same thing with drinking. I stopped drinking for so long in my young, like twenties, because I was so afraid that I would get drunk and blurt something out or that I would like get drunk and do something. And reality is like, if you've never just like lost control and blurted out a thought when you're sober, it's pretty Mm -hmm. unlikely that you're going to do that when you're drunk. Yeah. Like this fear of like losing control, you know, it, it just seems it seems very unlikely. And I get the fear. It's like a a huge reality of like, when you're drinking, you feel like your inhibition is down. And Mm -hmm. that's like a real fear. Yeah. I like what you said about like, if you're not if you don't do it soberly, then you're not going to do it when you're drunk. But it does feel like anything can happen. And 
I understand. I know people that don't drink because of that exact reason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that's where drinking can become part of treatment if it's values based. And by the way, I'm not telling my clients like go chug beer, but if mm -hmm. they come in and say like, I haven't had a glass of wine in two years because of OCD, I want to get to a place where I can have a glass of wine with my friend at her wedding. Like that mm -hmm. can become a part of treatment. I love that. I love that for you. Are you prescribing me wine? I'm like, so your homework is going to be everyone go every drink day. You're going to have three Aperol spritzes. Yes. I'm joking, by the way. She's kidding. How can I prevent compulsions during ERP everyday exposures if they're all mental? That's a good question. You struggle with that, Erin? Yeah. Tell me how fix that. Fix, fix that. Me. I literally love you. Fix, fix that. Yeah. Um, if that's how you talk to your therapist, that's so iconic. Yeah. She's like, no, fix that's not that. how it works. <laughs> fix me. It feels different because they're mental, but at the end of the day, it's the same thing as a physical compulsion. If you're just doing it in your mind. Mm -hmm. So if you're compulsively sanitizing, you're choosing to sanitize in response to an obsession. If you're mentally reviewing the past, you are choosing to mentally review in response to an obsession. We can cut that out. We can stop that just as we would stop compulsively sanitizing. It's not thought suppression. There's a big difference. Thought suppression is trying to prevent yourself from having unwanted thoughts, saying mm -hmm. stop, trying to push them away when they arise. Cutting out mental compulsions is saying, I'm going to stop actively choosing to respond in my mind to this obsession. And that is possible. Mm. Can you give me like an example of that with like an actual thought? Yeah. So if it was like, Let's say the obsession is what if I'm a cannibal? Okay. I'm not going to like response prevention would be, I'm not going to internally check to see how I feel when I'm standing next to human beings. You're preventing mm -hmm. yourself from doing that. Mm -hmm. Does that make okay. sense? Yeah. But what if the, uh, what if your thing is like ruminating on the same thought like what gotta stop ruminating which is difficult but it's possible and sometimes with mental compulsions we jump into them like almost automatically because we've done them for so long and that's mm -hmm. where mindfulness work can help create awareness mm -hmm. like I know that I'm doing this thing I just jumped into rumination that's not helpful I'm gonna stop and come back to the now yeah that's really I like that I like like what what does help me in uh therapy is like in OCD therapy is having the thought having the anxiety but then like moving forward and doing whatever I need to do anyway and letting it kind of not letting it like stop my day yeah I notice I'm having that thought I'm moving on with my day instead mm -hmm. of I notice I'm having that thought fuck let me ruminate about it mm -hmm. what if this means this means this what if that what if but that but then I did that Amazing. Never ending. And you are not going to find clarity through compulsions. As a matter of fact, it's going to make things less clear for you. Like relationship mm -hmm. OCD. If you're constantly checking in on your feelings, like you're going to start to mm -hmm. feel numb. You're going to start to not feel anything anymore. Like it does not create clarity. It dilutes what you're naturally feeling. Iconic. Iconic. Are intrusive thoughts during sex or masturbation a common OCD thing? How to handle? Are they common for you? Does that ever happen? No, but I have. You are obsessed with my I feel like you're just like, mm, sorry. Mm, no, sorry. I mean, <laughs> I have everything else. So don't worry about me, Allegra. 
It's so common. And I think it's so incredibly painful, especially when you're dealing with sexual obsessions for a couple of reasons. A, like no one wants to be having sex. And then their dad pops into their mind. It's just like, woof. Yeah. Like definitely did not need that. But then also it can feel like evidence sometimes for obsession. So Mm. I'm having sex and then an image of a dog pops in and I'm already feeling aroused. It's like, oh my God, wait, am I aroused Uh. because of that image? When really you're aroused because you're engaging in intimacy. Or like my orgasm when a thought pops in, like, does that mean I just orgasm to that thought? Or what if I keep masturbating after I've had a thought? Does that mean Mm. that I'm now masturbating to that thought? No, you're masturbating. Masturbating to the thought would be like actively fantasizing about it and like Mm -hmm. getting. And isn't it like the OCD sometimes latches onto things that are like the most taboo? Like you tell your brain, like, don't think this. That'd be fucked up if you think this. That'd be really fucked up if you think this. So, of course, your brain's going to think it. We're like little, our brains are like little kids. I feel like they're like, I'm going to do what you don't want me to do. Yes, I will say, like, in terms of like, I'm so about normalizing the taboo, taboo, you can have, you can have sexual thoughts about fucking dead bodies, fucking dead babies, fucking animals, fucking plants, fucking your dad, fuck like that. Like OCD just goes there. It knows no bounds. Mm. And so I hope people know if they're listening that like, no matter what kind of thought you have, like it, it's not like bad, it feels bad and it feels shameful. And I think sexual obsessions do have that added layer of stigma, but the brain will go literally anywhere. Mm. What if I'm a cannibal? What if I want to eat the dead body after it's dead? I mean, like OCD just like goes there. Yeah. And what would you tell, like, I feel like talking back to it in the way of like, of sarcasm could work really well there. Like, yeah, maybe I do want to you know, that was my dead body school when I was like struggling Yeah, know, eight years ago, it was the heavy lean in. So if yeah. I got thought, like, what if you want to do that? I'm like, like, I'll give you an example, like one upping a thought, let's say it's, do I want to kill that person? Yeah. I want to kill them. And then I want to fuck their dead body too. And it's like, you yeah. just lean into it. You go there and you show your brain, like, I don't give a fuck. Granted, you have to like really go there to do that. If you're like wavering, yeah. oh, it's not going to be as effective. So like, what would you do for a relationship OCD one? Like if the thought is, it's like, what if, I don't know, like, what if he's not the one, I mean, you could lean into it anyway. Like he's the ugliest motherfucker I've ever met. Yeah. I hate him moving on, but it's not like, like you're not actually believing it. You're more so sting out of that scary thought. I would say like when it comes to sex, especially like just the act of noticing without judgment and coming back to the now is really helpful. Like, okay, mm-hmm. there's that sexual thought about my dad. I'm going to come back to what's happening now. And like mm-hmm. engaging in the five senses. And how no, I'm going to go through a lot of the themes that I know, but how would you use that same thing during like contamination obsessions? It depends. Like if someone has a, if someone has disgust based obsessions where it's more so like they're disgusted by bodily fluids or mm. something like that. It might be like mindfulness of feelings. Like I notice that I'm feeling that disgust right now and I really value intimacy with my partner. Mm. So it might be more of like a mindfulness of feelings as opposed to thoughts. What about like, uh, like hand washing contamination? Like, sorry, now I'm like going completely off, but I've always wondered like how you treat contamination with, like washing how do you treat that so a like a lot of education that washing seven times is not necessary 
um, any other kind of OCD therapy, right? Like if we're doing exposure and response prevention, exposing oneself to touching certain things and then cutting Mm -hmm. out that sanitization, you probably are going to have to sit with that feeling of discomfort that ultimately fades over time. Mm -hmm. Even if it's like you have contamination OCD and your brain goes, you just got HIV from touching that doorknob. Like, thanks brain. I'm moving on. Like mindfulness can be applied in the same way. Yeah. That's reminding me of health things that I do. Like just like going to like the worst possible outcome from something that is so unlikely. Yeah. So unlikely. Like that man just walked by me. Oh my God. He might have drugs on his hand that I inhaled and I'm going to start hallucinating. Like those are real. OCD. Yes. So yeah. So, so, so yeah, no people with OCD are very creative for sure. Mm. Our imaginations can go to wild places. Oh my God. Like the most iconic we are. We are brilliant. We are, we are stars. We are iconic. Can OCD pose thoughts as I can, or I could, or I want instead of what if? Yes. Oh my goodness. So many people get like, I want to kill them, even though it's the last thing that they want to do. That's how their intrusive thought pops in and having an, I want, or I wish, or I could, it's not any different than a, what if like that doesn't inherently mean that you want that thing to happen. You have to actually desire that thing happening for it to happen. So yeah, it's not, not OCD. If you have, I want to break up with my partner. I wish he was dead. I could kill them. I could rape them. Like that if that pops into your mind, that ultimately is a thought you get to decide if you align with it or not. Mm. So many people have command intrusive thoughts and they feel like this must not be OCD anymore. And that is not the case. It's so uh, creative once again, that it's like, well, I'm not going to do what if I'm going to do this. And then you're going to think it's real. No, I used to get so many phrases too. Like I used to get so many like sexual phrases that like literally make no sense, but they would replay in my brain like all fucking day long. Like OCD is just so creative. What is that like meme? Everyone's so creative. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you need to post that. That's so funny. You need to stitch that with like OCD. No, okay. you're right. Is it normal that anxiety goes down over time, even though the thoughts persist? Definitely. I think that like what that can create for people sometimes is it's called the backdoor spike where like OCD doesn't bother you anymore. And then what happens is like, it tries to come in through the back door and say, wait, if it's not bothering you, does that mean that you now actually are that person? Like if these sexual thoughts about your dad don't bother you anymore, then you must actually like the thoughts about mm-hmm. your dad. When that's not the case, it can be a case of habituation where you've just had the thought so much and you've stopped responding to them that they don't carry that power you've mm-hmm. resolved the doubt and they don't carry that power anymore. And mm-hmm. I think that that can be scary for people. Like if I'm not as anxious, it's like the anxiousness proves to them that they don't like the thoughts. They're so used to the anxious. Yes. It's like become a way of life. Yes. Is it? No- <laughs> Sorry. It's not funny, but I've definitely thought this before. So whoever wrote this question, I see you. I, I hear you. Is it normal that I'm afraid I'm going insane? What do you think? I think totally. I think it's absolutely normal. I think that's like an intrusive thought. Like, what if I go insane? What if I'm crazy? What if this? What if that? I mean, Allegra, fix it. Answer it. Fix it. 
I think a lot of the times there's this fear of like snapping and losing control. And for OCD, it can latch yeah. on to like, what if I'm experiencing psychosis right now? And then there's like a lot of checking the world around you to see if you are. And there's like a doubting of what's happening in reality, which is like, you're not experiencing that. But mm-hmm. I also think even if it's not psychosis, like OCD in general, I literally felt like I was losing the plot. I was like, I don't, <laughs> Like my brain would convince me of things that I was like, I don't even like know how this is like possible, but I'm so hooked in, Mm. which is like wild. Losing the plot. That's my favorite. I was. Okay. How do you heal or overcome intrusive thoughts? What practices slash therapies? That's a good question. We've kind of answered that already. Yeah, with the- well, it depends. Also, I want to say, and what's actually important when we're talking about OCD, everyone gets intrusive thoughts occasionally, but like with OCD, the person tends to get them like relentlessly, repetitively, and then there's like some kind of there's often some kind of doubt involved, like what if X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. and the person is performing compulsion. So if you're just talking about intrusive thoughts in general without OCD, mindfulness work. If you're talking about how do we treat OCD specifically cognitive therapies, like metacognitive therapy, ICBT, mindfulness can be really helpful. Acceptance and commitment therapy can be a helpful adjunct. Exposure and response prevention, like I said, is the most evidence-based treatment for OCD. Can I also ask what your thoughts about using all those and adding medication? Oh my God. I love that. So I have to say, this is my own personal experience with medication. I'm not at all telling someone to take it. I'm not a medical doctor, but I have found that medication is profoundly helpful. Like, I just don't know if there's ever going to be a point where I'm not on medication. And I'm totally okay with that at this point. It is so powerful for me. It just facilitates the other tools working. I mean, they all work together. And without medication, like, I I mean, I, I don't know if I'd be here. Like, it truly saved my life. Yeah, absolutely. Many times. Take your meds. Take your meds, Gillies. Take your meds. Someone said something about Prozac the other day that was so funny. Oh, it was on the TV show. I'm watching this eating disorder TV show. On what Netflix. is it? It's on, you have to watch it. It's on Netflix. It's called Everything Now. I think huh. it's British. It's set in okay. the UK. And the dad was saying things like he picked her up from treatment and was like, you know, you have your meal plans and you have your this. And she goes, I have my Prozac. And he was like, that That's too. It. That too. That's, that's my life. So Allegra, you added in on the beginning that we're not uh, health professionals, but I'm a doctor. I'm just kidding. I didn't want to tell anyone, but we're sitting with Dr. Comer. (laughs) (laughs) First it was brother Comer. And now we have Dr. Comer. That makes me laugh because every time I like am in a health OCD spiral, I'll be like, yeah, well, it says online I'm having a seizure or a stroke. And Keith goes, okay, Dr. Comer, that sounds, Wait, that sounds like that's what's happening. That. Like I am a doctor. Okay. Okay. No, everyone with OCD is a doctor at this point. We know too much. WebMD with our brains. We know too much. Too much. I hope y'all enjoyed that. More of this. I know. Let, let us know if you want to do it again and what you want to ask questions about. It can be about anything. Follow us on Instagram at Sad Girls Who Read. Follow us on TikTok. Sad Girls Good Books. Buy us a coffee. Buy, buy me a damn <laughs> Okay. Listen, it's been a rough time. <laughs> Mommies need their coffees. Okay. Yes.
We should do a thing where we shout people out if they get us a coffee. Oh my God. Yes. Okay. If anyone gets us a coffee, we'll give you a personal shout out on the next episode. Be a Riz. Have some Riz. Have some freaking Riz. Iconic if true. What about on God? That's one too. On God. On God. No cap. Okay. Enough of enough of that enough but of wait that. Uh, okay we love you sad girls we love you bye sad girls thank you so much for listening be sure to rate us five stars on apple podcast and spotify and subscribe and follow our show it's the way that we can get the word out about our sad girl podcast and more sad girls can find their community and if you'd like to follow us on other platforms we're on instagram at sad girls who read and tiktok at sad girls good books we love you sad girls